Hello and welcome guys, it's Jeremiah Wood trapping today. Thank you for tuning in. This is a bonus episode. I am in between episodes and had a YouTube live that I recorded so I wanted to get this out and uh, get some information for folks that didn't see the YouTube because a lot more people see the podcast episodes than the YouTube lives. Uh, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures. Great sponsors, Cots Bros. They are your trapping supply dealer of choice for the Trapping Today podcast. They have a full line of baits and lures for any animal that you're looking to trap. And they sell traps, they sell snares, everything, all the different uh, gadgets and tools and gear and wire and chain and everything else that you need for the trap line go to cotsbros.com they get a great website pretty easy to navigate k-a-a-t-z-b-r-o-s.com also brought to you by onx use the onx hunt app to turn your phone into a gps on the trap line you can do a pile of different things it is just like having a gps but with the beauty of the the uh, lcd display on your phone uh, and the quick responsiveness and the ability to sync waypoints across all different devices and have the stuff stored up in the cloud so you don't lose it. It's a, a really neat app. I used it today at work when I was out um, riding around a snowmobile on some lakes and uh, just followed my tracks and downloaded the maps on the way over into the woods before I got out of service. And so I had these offline maps to use. I was able to look at the aerial image, images and kind of get an idea of where I was in relation to a couple of different road systems and the, the two lakes I was working on. And I set on a track and it, I was tracking myself the whole way through the day so I could figure out how far I'd gone and, and make sure that I covered the area that I needed to cover. So a beautiful app. It's it's so easy to use. And uh, yeah, on xmaps.com, use the promo code TRAP, T-R-A-P, when you go to onxmaps.com and sign up, you'll get 20% off your first purchase. And uh, appreciate that. That helps you save a little money, kicks a little back back to trapping today. So thanks uh, for supporting OnX. So in tonight's episode, I went over a few different uh, question and answer stuff that people had. So I had several email Q&A things that I, I wanted to go through and I did that on the YouTube live. So I'm a little bit, might've been a little distracted watching guys comments and stuff, but it's pretty cool on the live because people can provide input when I'm talking about different things and uh, they can bring up some things that I may not have thought of. So it's a, it's a good little interactive experience. Uh, it's nice to have a variety of, of just these sit down episodes and, and mixing in with a few YouTube lives so uh, just to I, get more of that audience interaction. But I talked about the, I did some Q&A and then I talked about the big project that's coming. Um, the Trapping Today Digital Magazine. I'm really excited about it. It is in production right now. I'm, I'm working through things and I have most of it ready to go. But I just wanted to give you a couple of heads up because uh, this first issue is pretty well uh, good, ready to go. Um I, other than I, I've got to do a bunch of editing type stuff, but the, the content is pretty well there. But if this is successful, um, I'm probably, even if it's not, I may, I'll probably do another one more issue at least uh, just to, to kind of continue to test this thing. Um, if it is, if it does become successful, uh, I'm pretty excited about the where this, we can go with this. I'm, I'm really excited because 
the digital magazine ties into a lot of the other things that we're already doing at Trapping Today with the podcast and the YouTube and the website. And it kind of ties all those things together. And it allows me to, uh, to kind of take advantage of some of my stronger points, which is in kind of the writing and editing side of things. So uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But looking into the future, there's going to be a couple of key points that I want to bring up to you right now. Number one is uh, sign up to be notified when this thing comes out. And there are a couple ways you can do that. You can go to the website issueissuu.com slash trapping today and you can sign up there. But I've noticed there are a few people who have had some difficulty signing up there. It's just a little bit of a, a little more complex of a process than it should be. Um, but if you are signed up for the Trapping Today email list on the website, uh, you're going to get the notification when the magazine is out. So uh, you can do it through issue or you can make sure that you're signed up to Trapping Today email list. Uh, that is just go to trappingtoday.com. If you're on a, a laptop or desktop on the sidebar, you'll see a sign up form. And all you have to do is enter. It says something like sign up for the Trapper email list or something. Just punch in your email address and hit subscribe and uh, you'll you will be subscribed. It'll add you to my list, and when I when I get ready to send this out, you're gonna get an email. Um, and if if I do have sent it out and you don't get it, you know, it may show up in your promotions folder or or possibly spam. Not likely in spam, but um, just uh, make sure you're signed up for the newsletter. And uh, for folks who get the weekly newsletter, it's a long story. I'm gonna cut it short. Um, I've just been doing a weekly digest, so everything I post on the website for the previous week, every Tuesday morning, that shows up in your email inbox, and you just see what what's up. Uh, usually, it's just the pod, whatever podcast episode I happened to publish recently. Uh, I have just discontinued that. I've changed email service providers, and I'm I'm looking to do a bit more of uh, a, a more in-depth newsletter. Uh, maybe less frequently, maybe maybe like once a month or something. But it's going to be a little more in depth and and cover a little more ground. So uh, so if you don't get the email this Tuesday or next Tuesday, don't uh, don't be too concerned about it because uh, that is a, a work in progress and and hopefully I'll have a much better product coming out of it. But looking forward to that. That was number one. Number two is if you have anything to contribute, pictures of your trap line. Uh, short stories, articles. I'm going to keep hitting you guys up for, for this stuff uh, as we move forward. And I'm looking for different articles and stuff. You don't need to be a professional writer. That's My job is to, to make sure that the stuff gets polished up before it goes in the magazine. Uh, you don't feel like you're not worthy or you're, you know nobody wants to hear anything from you. This is a community. And that's what I want to emphasize. This is not... This, this magazine is very much like the podcast and, and all the other stuff. It's not one person or a few people talking down to other people or or telling them how to do this and how to do that. This is a community. This is us sharing ideas, sharing experiences, whether whether it's our first season out trapping or whether we're old pros or whether we're not really very advanced trappers, but we pick something up that we learned this season and we want to share with people. I think those are the real things that I'm interested in, building a connection, 
among people in the audience, uh, sending pictures, sending little short articles on on tips, tricks, things you've learned. Uh, share some of your experiences, uh, what you love about trapping, uh, maybe some method stuff. If you got some method stuff, that would be awesome. Um, but but yeah, just uh, email me jrodwood at gmail.com, J-R-O-D-W-O-O-D at gmail.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you. I'd love to hear you contribute. It's a great way for people who have uh, listened to the podcast for so long and are looking for a way to give back. All this stuff is free. Uh, some people buy my lures or buy my books as a kind of a thank you or support the sponsors. That's great. Um, but if you're if you're looking for another way to kind of be part of this community and to give give back for whatever you've gained from from listening to this podcast, I would absolutely love to to get a few articles uh, from you uh, into the magazine or some pictures. Whatever you have to contribute, I'd love to see it. If you have a business that you would like to promote, maybe we can work that into an article. Um, it, it's uh, if we're talking about just an obvious sales pitch, I'm not going to put that in. But if it's something where you know you've you've got something to contribute, and I can kick back a little bit by sending some people to your website or your Instagram channel or whatever, uh, that that would be great as well. So looking forward to it, guys. Let's get into the YouTube live stream. Uh, did some question and answers. I can't. I think uh, what we cover. This was a few days ago. We did um, some spring beaver trapping stuff. We did uh, eating eating fur bears, so fur bear recipes and stuff, and maybe another question or two. But those were the big topics, and I think we got a lot of good discussion there. So uh, looking forward to you guys hearing it. Let me know what you think. So. Um, I am going to record a, a podcast episode slash YouTube live on this. So that's why the headphones are on. I'm recording into the computer audio while streaming at the same time. So, and the beauty of YouTube is it's the, this magic that you guys just show up. I just click go live and all of a sudden people just, you get 12 people just came in out of nowhere. So that's awesome. Uh, let's see, got a notification, Caleb Duckman, what is up, Caleb, hey, John Hall, um, I've been great, Caleb, very good, hey, Michael, good to see you, all right, yeah, I went ghost a little bit there after, uh, I got the, you know, the end of the trapping season, and I didn't have any more videos to post, so haven't done quite so much, but I'm here, hey, Autocat, what's up, okay, so, Let's see what I want to talk about. Um, I did a video a while back. Hey, David Toms, what's going on? From North Texas, right on. Um, it, Patriots, I don't know that guy. Um, all right. I, uh, I did a video on my book, More Than Wolverine, an Alaska Wilderness Trapline. If you haven't got that, appreciate. Hey, 70 Mike Land Cruiser, what is going on? If you haven't got that, please buy a copy of the book because I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, and that book has uh, done really well on Amazon and on TrappingTodayStore.com. Those are the only two places where you can get it. Um, I might look into distributing elsewhere. Hey, Derek, what is up? Good to see you. Um, wow, this is a, what is it, Wednesday night, Tuesday night? It's a lot of people. Um so anyway, I did a little video because uh, Amazon decided that because there is a 
dead animal on the cover that this violates their ad policies. And so they pulled my ad and now you can still go to Amazon and buy the book, but I can't advertise the book on Amazon through on their on any of their platforms. And so it, it really limits the, the distribution. Uh, very frustrating, and I did a big rant, uh, whatever, on the thing. And, and just uh, if you guys haven't seen that video, you can pull that up on my channel and you can find it. But uh, just uh, wanted to give you an update. I did, uh, I did appeal that decision, and they got back to me and they denied my appeal and said it, it was, um, I can't remember the words they used, but it was basically. Uh, they do not approve of showing dead animals. Uh, they they thought that that was um, that was they used a lot of nasty words. Anyway, so uh, you can uh, pick that book up at Amazon or go to trafficktodaystore.com. And uh, I used to say just get it on Amazon because I I want more sales there. Show the algorithm to recommend it to more people. But Amazon kind of pissed me off. So uh, you buy it from trappingtodaystore.com. That'd be great. <laughs> all right uh vince first time hey vince popic right on podcast listener good to see you man uh glad you enjoyed the book caleb awesome hey yo trapper what's up alex hey what is up alex yes good good to have you good timing alex because i'm gonna i'm gonna show a little bit of my fur off here too um we we got quite a little cold snap here in the northeast for folks that uh, we're not familiar. We had some serious, serious weather, and we were actually in northern Maine, where I'm at. We were 56 below zero with the wind chill. It was brutal, and I went out in it um, Friday and Saturday to check on my cows. And uh, fur is probably about the only thing to keep a guy warm in those conditions. Uh, Caleb, yes, you are right. There's other books that shows dead animals. There's books with dead deer. Uh, there's a bunch of deer hunting books on there with dead deer shown on the covers, and they advertise. And so I think what happened is uh, somebody either reported it or flagged it or whatever, or somehow Amazon, they do these like periodic reviews, and they it just showed up that mine was one of the ones randomly selected to be reviewed, and they looked at it and said, no, we, this is no good. So uh, I feel bad for other guys that are in the hunting and trapping and outdoor industry because you're probably going to get hit with this next. Um, McLeod, Eastern Oregon. Hey, thanks for the thumbs up, man. Sweet. Uh, Caleb, listening with podcast with Tyler Seldon. Yeah, I did that one a long time ago. Um, so the cool thing is nowadays the, the podcast is getting uh, – about 3,000 downloads for every episode within the first few weeks that it comes out. But if I go back, I'm 230-something episodes in. And I, I just did one tonight uh, with Josh Fisher. You guys, I just put that one up, so you guys probably will catch that here shortly. But the recent episodes, all the new ones I put out, because there's so many subscribers now, uh, they get all the downloads. But if you go back to like the first year that I did the pod the first couple of years there's still like a thousand fifteen hundred so those are getting a third to a half of the number of downloads uh, but there is some really good stuff there there's some episode a bunch of episodes I would recommend people go back and listen to but nobody finds them because they're hidden way back in the archives but they're all there uh, John Hall and Sacco yeah 
Hey, Coyote Whacker, what's up? Uh, oh, yeah, McLeod, thanks. Uh, I, I did one with Ed Schneider from Kansas Trapline Products. Ed has a popular YouTube channel as well. So uh, we talked. We actually talked for way longer than you heard. And there's going to be another Ed Schneider episode coming up probably maybe in a week, week from now. So we'll get into that. Uh, koozie. So this, Josh made this for me, sent it, give it to me the other day, sent it in the mail. And this is Martin and Fisher. And so I sent him a few Martin pelts, and and uh, this is just kind of sewed onto a, a foam koozie. And uh, he had some, he when he, was, he made a bunch of hats and stuff for me. And this was just like scrap leftover Fisher from one of the hats that he made. So it makes pretty good koozie, man, and and uh, I can attest that it keeps a can cool. All right, what else? Uh, so I mentioned it was 56 below. These mucklucks, um, I have officially worn them in. You could, I, I, I put a bunch of waterproof around them. Finally, got cold enough. I've been taking these out to check the cows walking through the snow. Uh, not only am I walking with them through the snow. Uh, I am walking with them in snowshoes. I've strapped these. I've strapped myself into my snowshoes with these mucklucks on, and they work awesome. So uh, really, really good. And uh, the cool thing about it was, like, I usually have like my muck boots that I put on, and I'll strap in snowshoes and go. And because they're they're rubber, and f- rubber and foam or whatever, they they uh, they build up moisture. And it, it always seems like my feet are wet by the time I'm done. And uh, with those mucklucks, man, it was just like completely dry. It's super, super comfortable. Uh, they, they've got the otter or otter fur on the inside and then moose hide on the outside. And I wear a couple pairs of wool socks underneath them. And they are super, super dry and comfortable the, the whole time. Um, Caleb, those were made by my friend Josh Fisher in Fairbanks, Alaska. And, uh, if you listen to the most recent podcast episode, uh, Josh, uh, Josh and I have a talk and we went into some detail on how he made those mucklucks and the whole process that he had to go through. So check that out. That just, I just put that up tonight. Uh, do they leak McLeod? I assume they do. So, uh, they're moose hide. Uh, I put, uh, snow seal I actually it's like I put a local guy actually a guy in Montana when I was there uh, in the Montana Trappers Association his name was Tom Barnes he had uh, honey he had bees and he used he made like a beeswax product and and it was for waterproofing it's very similar to that snow seal stuff that that they sell and I used that. I so I rubbed it into the leather to to try to kind of waterproof it. But I bet you if I stepped in water, I haven't tried it yet. But I'm sure they'll get wet. I, they're not designed to to go through water. So um, I I think just that that uh, leather treatment and that seal stuff is gonna help uh, to keep you know like melting snow from soaking into them too bad. But uh, I wouldn't step in water with them. And, uh, yeah, I also had the beaver hat, this thing. Um, my wife has kind of taken this thing over. I try to hide it from her and she finds it. And every morning she goes out to check the cows. She puts this on, uh, and steals it from me. And then I have to take it back, but this is wicked, wicked comfortable. And this is, this is the warmest hat I own. It's uh, this is moose hide. That's beaver and beaver. 
And then the mitts, usually it's too warm for these, but when it was 50 below, uh, these are pretty slick. So um, the, those, those work awesome going out in super cold weather. Yeah, yeah, Alex, it sure would. It sure would. You got some pretty sweet mittens. Um, yeah, the, that hat would be awesome. You ought to check, maybe check with Josh. Um, the 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 moose hide is pretty expensive, but it costs him a lot to get tan beaver. So if you had like tan beaver pelts and you sent them to him, uh, and and you know like the inside, he he'll buy the, he'll have this fleece. He'll provide this, and he'll he'll provide the moose hide, and he will do the beaver if you want him to. But it's going to cost quite a bit more. If you sent him some tan beaver pelts um, to to use, uh, I think you'd have a pretty reasonably priced hat. For, for what you're going to get. Um, but I didn't mean that wasn't what I was going to talk about tonight. But that's all right. We get a bunch of topics. I, I have a feeling I'm not going to get into them all. And that's okay. Um, I just a pretty cool thing. The uh, Yesterday I bought a bunch of traps. And I I had a... Usually I people contact me. And I had a guy that I kind of knew through other channels. And, uh, he, he had been a trapper a long time ago and had a bunch of traps in his garage and was thinking about selling them. And, and I told him I, you know, for, for the right price, I'd take them all. Hey, just duck, what's up? And so I did, uh, and I got a bunch of number 14 jumps. So these are the, they're essentially number four jump with the teeth on them. These are number 14 Oneida jump traps. They are one of the most pop traditionally they're the most popular beaver trap uh in maine particularly for for under ice beaver trapping they're super super popular very effective trap uh the teeth are incredibly effective at, at holding the beaver and uh they they just they work great and so um these are getting hard to find they haven't made them forever they they have been out of production for a very very long time you can usually find one or two of them lying around here and there, maybe three or four some sometimes. But to, to find a, a big collection of them, I got 39. I got 39 of these all in one lot. That was pretty cool. And I think I, I just went through them and I think uh, 36, 30, at, uh, maybe three or four of them have springs that are a little weak. And the rest of them are super strong, like ready to go. He said that some of them have just been set once. Um, and, and they've been sitting in his garage for 30 years. So, uh, yeah, anyway, I I can't. I'm not. I already had quite a few 14s. I'm not going to be able to uh, to use all these. I just don't set enough beaver traps. Um, and, and I've got a bunch of other traps for beaver. So uh, I am probably going to put these up for sale. So if you're interested, let me know. Um, I could probably, uh, you probably email me. Get in touch with me through the store, trappingtodaystore.com. Uh, send me a message and uh, I, I will look, I'll look at selling them. I'm probably going to sell them and I could fit five in a flat rate box. So I'm probably going to sell five at a time and probably be $30 a piece. If, if any of you guys are interested, that 30 a piece plus, plus shipping. Okay. Uh, oh, and I got, geez, I got, I should show you guys this. I don't, I don't know. I might mess up the computer setup here, but 
I get a lot of cords and cables connected to this. There's a whole pile in the corner there by the wood stove. That's all 330s. And on the other side of the wood stove, you can't, you're not going to be able to see it from this angle, is a, uh, a similar size pile of 280s. So a lot of, a lot of beaver, a lot of beaver and otter traps uh, in this bunch. I don't even know how many I got there. And I got some two, a few 220s, maybe, uh, I think I got like, uh, I don't know, 15 or 20, 220s, and then some number fours. So yeah, it was a good find. Um, uh, otter cat. They were designed to catch otter on their slides. Oh, were they really? I did not. I did not know that otter cat. <laughs> no kidding. That's interesting. Uh, just duck. No, that was not from Steve. No, no. It was just a just a guy that I've known for a while that has not trapped in a very long time, and and he just was ready to sell. Uh, honestly, I'd talked to him a few times before, and I didn't know he had any traps. Uh, gone beaver trapping. Has the Amazon issue been resolved? McLeod, uh, I mentioned earlier that it, it has been resolved all right. They they denied my appeal. So, uh, yeah, I, I could still sell the book. I cannot advertise. I will not ever be able to advertise unless I pull the cover off of my book and change the cover, and I refuse to do that. So, um, yeah, that's it's been resolved, I guess. Uh I'm still after an otter. Putting the 330s to use this season. Uh, PA, no, I haven't. I haven't been. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to do any under ice beaver trapping. I, I've I've been working on some other things. Actually, I'm get, probably going to talk about that. That was probably part of the title of this uh, live stream. Um, I, I may, I mean, I'll, I'll probably do a little bit this spring. I'll probably do a little bit of beaver trapping this spring just to get it out of my system like I, like I usually do. But uh, my problem is uh, I have I have more interest than I have time. And I, part like with the cattle, I do a lot of, I got to make hay in the summertime. And that takes a lot of my vacation time from work. And I work a full-time job. So I get about three weeks of vacation a year. And I, last year I used all of that, um, making hay, basically all of it. So, and this year I anticipate that I'm going to use all of it making hay. So uh, I really wanted to go out and, and run, I would love to run a, a spring beaver line and uh, like, like go out with Billy Thompson and, and help him out and run, you know, 80 or hundred traps with him, uh, him and Jeff, but I, it's just not, it's not going to happen unless I quit my job. Um, if you guys want to pay me like 250 bucks a day, I'll go and do that and I'll film it every day. But otherwise, I like my job. <laughs> so I'll probably go out with Billy one day, maybe two days. And I'll go over after work and, and uh, hang out at the first shed there, maybe help him skin a few beavers and just talk. And we'll probably do a podcast episode or two uh, in the process. But but yeah, um, I, know, I certainly don't trap as, as much as I probably should or would like to um all right so oh the so finally the next the thing the the thing the thing that i was going to talk to you guys about so i have been working on something and i like to work on things that are the, the difficult thing with trapping 
is when you commit to, to setting up a trap line, you have to check that trap line on a regular basis. And you have set yourself up for a time commitment until you pull those traps. And like, so when I set out the Martin trap line here, I am committing myself to at least two days a week for the duration of the season that I'm going to trap. And uh, I, I have to do that. And if I don't do that, I will be breaking the law. And so it, it's, you're, you're kind of, you're committed and you're in. So it's fine. It's great. But you, you really have to want to co- make that commitment. And so I, a lot of, I do make that commitment during certain times of the year, certain seasons, but other parts of the year, I just can't do that. And so I, I've been trying to do things that I can work on in my free time, but there's not like super time sensitive. So that's why like I wrote those books, a couple of books, because, uh, it, it works really well with my schedule if I get a couple of days where I really have a lot of time and and I can I can work on writing then I can work towards putting together a book and then eventually over time we get that finished up I could do it in the evenings and all that um, so this year the big project that I'm working on I have not announced this yet I just announced it about 30 minutes ago uh, when the podcast episode came out um, I have am creating a Trapping Today digital magazine. And so this is going to be 100% digital. It's, it's going to be an interactive type of magazine. You, you're going to be able to, it's going to be like a flip book style. You're going to be able to read this on your phone, on your laptop, desktop, tablet, whatever. And, uh, it's going to have, actually, I get a whole list of things here, but uh, there's going to be articles, there's going to be trapping pictures, going to be, um, you know, like a, a new, different news articles and trapping. There's going to be fur market report. There's going to be uh, just a, a, a variety of different things. It'd be like, like a traditional, like a standard magazine. Um, but it's also going to include like links to YouTube videos and podcast episodes and different websites and stuff. And, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Um, I I hope that you guys uh, are have an interest in that and want to check it out and follow along. So uh, that's going to be out. Uh, I've been working on it for a few weeks now, and it's probably it's I'm thinking two to three weeks from now, it is going to be up and available. And at least for the, f- I don't know how often this is going to be published. It depends on how the first issue is received. But it's going to, right now, the very first issue, it's going to be 100% free of charge. And so all that you're going to need to do is either give me your email address or uh, or just, you know, download it off off the website, um, uh, off of trappingtoday.com once I get that all set up. Um, I think I'm going to try to type in the link. I don't know if that's, I don't even know if that's clickable, probably not. Um, but if you go to that issue, issuu.com slash trapping today, that should pull up a spot where you can subscribe. You can enter your email address and I don't have anything set up yet except just a profile that has my name on it. And uh, you, if you, if you subscribe on that, you should be getting the very first issue when I publish it. All right. Oh, what do we want to do? How we've been 22 minutes. Um, 
so I have a few questions. I was going to do a little bit of question and answer here. I'm going to take a quick break here and I'm going to, I think I've got, I've got like three questions. I'll probably go through them. Hey, thanks Coyote Whacker. Appreciate it. All right. Um, the questions have been rolling in and I, haven't really been able to roll them into uh, specific podcast episodes lately. I did one uh, a couple episodes ago. I did a Q&A, but I've got several questions since then. So I want to kind of throw them out there and, and just just give some thoughts. Uh, might, might help somebody out so they don't have to wait for a month before their question gets answered. So a guy from Ohio that um, wants to trap in Alaska – so his, his background is, he I guess he was born in Alaska, and the family ended up moving to Ohio, and he's grown up there in Ohio, and he wants to get back. And he was asking about um, looking for somebody to take him along and mentor him and and kind of work his way towards a trap line, I guess, in, in the Alaska interior. So, uh, hey, Frank. Frank Kelch, what is up? Uh, so... This is a question I get three or four of these a year, actually probably more this year, on people that want to do this. And a lot of other people get these questions. Uh, I'm not going to set you up with somebody in Alaska that's going to take you under their wing and show you the ropes and and all that. That That is a very unique situation. And it's a case where it has to be the right person that is looking for someone to take on under their wing and you have to be the right person for them. And I don't know you and I don't know them necessarily. So, uh, it's not easy. It's not something really, it's not possible to do. It's, it's not possible to just out of the blue, just ask someone who knows trappers in Alaska to set you up and and just, okay, yep, I got this guy for you and go. Even if that did happen 99% of the time, it wouldn't work out for one reason or another. And so what I can tell you is it is not impossible to do this. It's not impossible to, to go to Alaska and set up a trap line and all that. Uh, I know quite a few people who have done it. It is very, very doable. And it's also very doable to meet the right person uh, and help them out on their trap line and, and get hooked up that way too. The, the issue is it, it's very difficult to do something like that um, from the computer. And if you want it bad enough, you'll do what people like Tyler Selden did. You'll move up there. Uh, honestly, if you want it bad enough, you got to move up there. So what, what I would say is move to Fairbanks. Move to Fairbanks. Um, get a job. Uh, find, you know, settle. Get yourself settled in there. And then start networking. Start talking to people. The first thing, join the Alaska Trappers Association Start attending their meetings. I think they have monthly meetings. Um, go to the fur shops. Go to Joe Maddie's and Bill Wyvota's, and start asking around about who traps different areas, where you might be able to get started. Uh, you're, you're gonna you're gonna meet a few people who are gonna introduce you to maybe to a few people. You're gonna run into people. There's so many trappers there to begin with. You start getting to know people. Chances are you're gonna run into a trapper anyway. Um, and, and kind of work your way in that way. And, and you're going to find that uh, 
opportunities are going to open themselves up, not necessarily when you want them to, but you are, if you put yourself in the right position, you're going to find opportunity and, and you're going to have a chance to, to go out and do something like that and then just jump on it and don't ask any questions, work hard. Uh, and, uh, I think, I think you'll be able to go almost anywhere in Alaska and, and get yourself a trap line these days. Um, if you're willing to work hard, you're willing to get off the road, you're willing to go into wherever, wherever it takes, do whatever it takes to make that happen. Um, all right, who else is on here? Hunter. Hey, Mountain Man, what's up? Camaro68. Hey, just want to say my favorite traffic channel. Hope you continue to provide great content. All right, man. Glad that you learned a lot from it. Appreciate it. All right, so that's the Alaska That's the Alaska question. I hope that helps somewhat. Uh, next question is on beaver. So this guy is asking about spring beaver trapping. So we are actually, you know, we're in, we're in, we're the February 7th right now. So for some places, I guess you're getting closer to spring. We've got, um, we've got probably two months and a week. Well, probably two months this year. It's been a warm uh, winter so far. So overall, we don't have a lot of ice. So probably two months before we could start doing spring beaver trapping where I'm at. But, uh, but yeah. So the the question here was about spring beaver trapping and the quality of the pelts. I should actually pull it up, pull up the if I was smart I'd pull up the email. Um, but anyway, uh, he he wanted to know uh, what how the quality of beaver pelts was in the spring and whether you know whether they were. Uh, inferior say to a winter caught beaver or fall beaver or whatever and uh and whether you know whether they're worth trapping and the other question was about beaver sign uh going into abandoned areas how to figure out where beaver go you know when they abandon certain places but we'll start on the pelt quality so spring beaver do have uh, uh do get a better app right because uh, as soon, if you talk to a fur buyer, as soon as you mention spring beaver, they kind of roll their eyes or get, oh yeah, well, I don't know. Um, so, so they they don't they don't necessarily uh, have a good reputation. In my experience, however, I have sold a lot of spring beaver to fur buyers who thought they were winter caught under ice beaver. And the trick there is if you're spring beaver trapping, you want to do as much as you can to catch that beaver as soon as possible after the ice goes out. So, I mean, a lot of the spring beaver that we're catching here is you're, you're catching them in open water, uh, maybe uh, near the dam or at a road crossing, and you look over like 50 yards away and there's the beaver lodge there, and the beaver lodge is still has ice all around it. And, and most, of the, most of the beaver pond is covered in ice. Um, and, the, and those beaver are still spending most of their time under the ice, and they're just coming out to that little open water as it's starting to open up. And, and then the whole thing, you know, it gets warm and the whole thing opens up. You still have a couple, three days, but once you get... It's, it, just a ballpark and in, in my experience you get about a week after the ice is gone and your pelt quality is probably it's it's really much lower 
Um, I think the biggest thing, of course, you know, the sun, the sunlight degrades the pelt. They start getting rid of their winter coat eventually. But um, what I could see from the spring beaver that we trap here, uh, the pelt is, is just as thick. The, all the winter fur and is all on and everything is good. The biggest problem that we have is cuts and bites, bite marks in the pelts. And so as soon as the beaver come out of the lodge, um, they'll get kicked out. The younger ones will start getting kicked out. Um, and the, the adults will come out and everybody kind of, in this area at least, we have a lot of beaver high population and they're all kind of fighting for territory and habitat and, and kind of, you know, feeling out everybody's territory. That's why anything that has caster, anything that smells like caster here just catches beaver like dynamite. Um, but what that also means is those beaver are interacting a lot and there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of chewing and biting and, and a lot of damaged pelts that way. And so you're going to get a high percentage of, of that type of damage. Um, you're also potentially, um, when you have open water and depending on whether you're on a one day check or two day or three day check, uh, if you have, um, let's say you're, if you're using drowning sets, you're usually pretty good cause they're going to be down, uh, deep underwater. But uh, a lot of times like with three thirties, if, if you're setting in pretty shallow water and you make a catch and you got a beaver sitting there and that fur is up above the water level, uh, you're going to find that birds, can oftentimes uh, wreak havoc on those as well and, and maybe tear chew up the pelt a little bit put some holes in it so um, but in general I would say uh, as soon after I set as possible you're good uh, once you get beyond that the pelt quality is not going to be like a winter cot pelt it, it's going to be thicker than the fall beaver still but it's going to have potential for a lot of damage now the good thing I guess if you want to call it a good thing is the market really wants hatter beaver right now, and that's the bulk of the beaver we're catching are going to go as hatters anyway. And as a result, uh, a few cuts are not going to matter. They're not going to get downgraded anymore with cuts on them. They're, they're buying them for volume, for weight, because uh, they're going to grind those up in, into felt to make hats anyway. And so uh, if you're spring beaver trapping and you want a really high-quality pelt, get them as soon as you can. Uh, but beyond that, if you want to keep trapping, you know, you could still trap for Hatter Beaver, and there's still a market for him this year. Hey, John Hall, tight chains. All right, see you later. Good to see you. Thank you for listening in. Uh, the This guy also had a situation where he was seeing sign, beaver sign in his area uh, last fall, I believe, and uh, it, it turned out that uh, stuff, that it was abandoned. So it looks like the beaver just kind of left and, and there's no more sign there. And we see that at least in this area, we say that, see that very, very commonly. Uh, my theory, what I think is going on just based on observation is that, uh, the, the beaver move into an area. They, they build dams. They, uh, they go and make their house, get their feed pile. They go and cut a bunch of feed around the edge of the water uh, and up on land. And after a year or two, maybe three or four years, depending on the, the area, they exhaust that food supply and they need to move somewhere else to, to look for food. 
Um, there's also other possible reasons uh, to abandon places. Sometimes the water level can just drop really, really low a certain time of year, uh, especially in the wintertime, and they can either freeze out and they're all dead, or uh, or if they can make it out, they, they take off and they go find another place to live. Uh, sometimes in the summer, if you have a really bad drought, they will leave the small streams because their dams just they cannot hold enough water in in those uh, flowages because they're just is it just it, it is so so dry and they'll go into the bigger rivers and the lakes and ponds and spend the summer there and then when the fall rains come they move move back into the smaller streams so you get that but uh, in general I would say most of the beaver leaving at least in my experience are beavers that just kind of exhausted the food supply and they took off and found another spot and so what I would do is I would start at your abandoned spot and I'd go downstream a couple hundred yards and I'd go upstream a couple hundred yards and if you're in a place like me there is like a 80 percent chance that you're going to find a brand new beaver dam and a new house uh, and and you're going to you're going to find those beavers if you don't find them there, then you, that's it. You're you're kind of wasting your time, and I, I wouldn't try to I wouldn't try to trap them uh, this time of year because um, you, you're unless you you're just gonna have to go look somewhere else and, and find beavers somewhere else. Now, the one exception to that is if in the springtime, as soon as things open up, beavers are on the move, and you can trap places that if you trapped all fall, all winter, you wouldn't catch a single beaver. And come spring, you make a set at a road crossing that might be a half a mile from any beaver sign, and you'll catch beaver. Uh, it doesn't happen in every case all the time, uh, but that's the time of year when the beavers are on the move. The young are dispersing, and uh, you're, you're way more likely to catch them even, even if there isn't much sign around. Uh, Otter Cat says quality of food will do that too. Um, and next question, eating meat. Okay, eating meat from fur bears and carcass disposal. So uh, that's a good one for uh, you guys since I have the live audience here. Why don't you chime in and let me know uh, what different fur bears that you catch on your trap line do you guys eat? So uh, we, we've got the very obvious, the beaver and muskrat, um, and then there's a few others that are a little less obvious, and then there's some that I wouldn't even touch. Uh, but this this guy's question was talking about, let's see, let's try to pull it up. Uh, Frank Kelch enjoys Bobcat, Mountain Mariner, Stoshu Hare. Yeah, the, <laughs> I guess some of us, are, we aren't, I'm not allowed to trap them, so I don't consider them a fur bear. But for you guys, they would be a fur bear. Alex Stillman, dog food, question mark. Um, can't find that email I I get too many emails uh Otter cat beef Frank couch 
It's kind of a pork flavor. Occasional <laughs> raccoon. Okay, so um, we're going to rattle these off, I think. And what I would like to do is an episode. I'd like to find this guy's original question. I bet it's it's somewhere right here. I'd like to find the question just so I can word it properly. But um, Anyway, it, basically what he was getting at is he, he's a lot, a lot of these a lot of people that are kind of new to trapping that are getting into it aren't really interested in catching fur bears to sell pelts in the fur market. They either want fur for their own use or they want to trap to be able to, to have some a, a supply of healthy food. And I think that's pretty awesome. Um, and, and it has allowed, uh, it's caused a lot of people to get into trapping that otherwise would not be trappers. And, and in a time when we just don't have a lot of trappers out there, it's, it's great to have, have new people come into it um, from different backgrounds. So uh, what, what he wanted to know is, okay, what are the different fur bears that you eat? Maybe how you prepare them, what, you know, all that stuff. And, and he just had never heard anybody talk and hadn't heard me do a podcast episode because I didn't do one on, uh, on eating fur bears. So what I, what I want to do eventually is actually do a full podcast episode on this because I think it's a really good idea and it, it I haven't done it justice. Uh, I don't have a, a super lot of experience with it. Um, so if, if you guys know somebody other than Renella, because Steve Renella is not going to come on my podcast. It's too small. <laughs> but uh, but if you know somebody that, that has a lot of experience with cooking and eating fur bear meat, uh, I, that'd be cool. I'd, maybe I can get them on and we can we can talk about it. But I can tell you uh, what I know and what I've experienced and then uh, what, what I've heard from other people. And then you guys in the chat, we'll see, see what else you got. So for me, the main thing is beaver. Um, I, I have a lot of beaver in this area. I trap quite a few beaver when, when I get out after them. Uh, usually I trap them to catch bait for my Martin and Fisher trapping. Uh, but uh, in recent years, I have really started eating a lot more beaver meat. And it is, uh, it is really, really good. I think, I think beavers overall, it's got to be the best fur bearer as far as, you know, a meat supply. There's a lot of meat on a beaver. Uh, the taste is really good. It's not a super strong flavor. Uh, it, it seems to be quite healthy and nutritious and, uh, it's, it's pretty easy to prepare. So there's a number of different things that you can do. What, what I'll often do is I'll take, if I've, if I've got, you know, five or four or five beavers in the back of the truck and uh, I, I skin them out. I, I do, I do want to save some meat for bait and stuff. A lot of times what I'll just do is I'll cut the back straps out of them and I'll, I'll put those in a Ziploc bag, put them in the fridge and then I'll do the rest of my processing and all that. And I actually did, uh, there's a million things you can get off beaver carcass. So I, I did a YouTube video on my channel uh, a year, year, a couple years ago. If you guys search for that, you should be able to find it. But um, the the back straps, I'll have those in the fridge. I'll pull them out, and uh, I I just I cut them up into chunks, in, into like little mini steak things, whatever. And I put a bunch of seasoning like garlic, salt, onion powder, and uh, I like that red pepper seasoning stuff. My wife doesn't like it because it's kind of spicy. 
But I put that all together and put some olive oil in a fry pan and just kind of fry them, stir fry them. You can put some vegetables and other stuff in there, and it makes for it makes awesome meal. The other thing that I'll do is if I want to eat more than just the back straps, I take the hindquarters, which uh, with a beaver there, there's a lot of meat on the hindquarters. The trouble is the bone structure is like so different from any other animal, like any deer, or elk, or moose, or antelope, or cow. Um, it's just a weird, different bone structure, and it's hard to cut the meat off the bone. You can do it, but you you get a dull knife and you you waste a lot of meat. So what I do is I'll just cut the the two hindquarters off of the carcass, and I'll I'll do that. Maybe I'll do that from two or three beaver. And so I have a bunch of them and I put them in a crock pot with some barbecue sauce and a bunch of seasonings, maybe cut up an onion and put it in there, put that in the crock pot for a few hours. And then you just pull that bone and the meat just completely falls right off the bone and it is tasty. It's really good. Um, Good flavor, just easy to prepare and think about it. I mean, you just caught that right down from your house, Uh, local, I mean, at least where I'm at, there's not any pollution to speak of in the waters uh it's it was free i didn't have to pay a thing for the meat it's just a little bit of my time so it's really hard to beat um so beaver you know i i like beaver uh muskrat is kind of similar a lot of people do eat muskrat meat Uh, muskrat's a lot smaller so it's uh you know you're you're a lot more work for for what you're going to get out of it uh I've had it a few times. The flavor is, I don't think it's much different than beaver, really. Um, it might be a, maybe a little stronger. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention, a lot of guys talk about eating beaver tail, and I, I've never done it. Um, so you guys tell me if you've eaten beaver tail. I think it's more of a traditional native thing, and some of the old-time mountain men trappers used to eat it, but I've, I've never got gotten myself... Uh, a, up to trying it, I guess. Um, let me get back. Beaver back straps. Yep. Um, you guys are okay. Beaver. Good river. Be- oh, sorry, so PA trapping outdoors says river beaver are better than pond beaver. His opinion. Uh, you don't look like you eat a lot. Yeah, I do. I actually autocad. I do. Eat- I've tried to eat more in the past, and I just uh, have never been able to gain weight, no matter what I eat. So, I guess that's a good problem to have. Uh, just duck beaver tacos are awesome, but you have to boil the whole back half. Yeah. PA crock pot the legs. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's the way I do it. Uh, Frank Kelch smoke bobcat hind leg chopped up like brisket. Right on. Uh, Alex says, does it have to be cooked well done, or can you eat? It rare. Um, I would I I I would never try to eat any fur bear rare. Uh, I am probably people could do it, but there are a lot of parasites, potential parasites and potential diseases that are probably a little less well understood with wild fur bears than they are with say domestic animals. Uh, so I you know I you probably could, but I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I don't think it's worth the risk. I just cook it good and it'll taste fine. Um, Hunter Dosberg says, seared beaver hindquarters, 
So you sear them, put them in a cast iron Dutch oven with carrots, potatoes, celery, and stock for four hours. Right on, man. Timmins, never had beaver tails? No, I, I have not. Tell me how to cook them, Timmins, and how, I, how, how to eat them. Alex, thanks, Kyle Wacker. That to me. Boil the, Mountain Man says boil the tail. And then what do you, you do? Drink the water? Or <laughs> I know a guy that said he knew a good way to eat uh, eat bear meat. You you put the meat in a pot, boil it, throw a rock in the pot, and when you're done, throw the meat away and eat the rock. <laughs> I I found bear to be much better than that, but I've had a few rough tough ones. Um, beaver tail makes good wallets. Yeah. Uh, beaver tails in Canada are pastry. Making me hungry. Muskrat is a seasonal delicatessen up here in spring, says John Claude Legault. Right on. Thanks, guys, for all the input. Need a pork. Mountain Mariner says, I need a porcupine recipe. Tried it before. It was horrible. <laughs> Greasy work boot. <laughs> the only time people, I've heard people eat porcupines when they're starving. Uh,. Autocat, best jerky I ever ate was from Bear. Yeah, uh, the best, um, the best, one of the best bratwursts I ever ate was from Bear Meat. Um, Frank always wanted to have a beaver tail wallet. Vincent Ryu, where are you at in Maine, Northwest New? He's in Northwest New Brunswick. I'm in, I'm in uh, Aroostook County, Vincent. So, I'm not far from you at all. Okay, so, so that, so we had beaver, we had muskrat. Actually, um. The, a lot of those old Alaska trappers, a lot of the books that I've read, those guys have uh, were would survive on muskrats a lot of times in the springtime. There, there was one old guy. I wish I had the book with me. I don't. It's in my house. Um, he he was known for it, and he he would just bring. He'd go up to the the old crow flats up on way up the Porcupine River in Interior Alaska. This was back in like the nineteen. Uh, 19 teens 1920s and and he would he would go up there with his dog team and he'd bring a pot and some flour and he would live he would trap and shoot muskrats for a month and he'd live off of muskrats he'd have his big pot and and he'd be boiling rats and you the guy people that were wrote the guy that wrote the book said you go he'd go to see him and you'd see rat tail muskrat tails sticking all around outside of the pot and he just pick one up and and uh, and eat it. Uh, yeah, Caleb, above the Arctic Circle, James Carroll's book. Yes, that, that's right. Uh, yeah. Groundhog, Frank, if you get the tail, I make the wallet. Coyote Whacker, pretty nice. Yeah, they are. Yeah, beaver tail wallets are pretty cool. Uh, Chris Pope was making them for a while. Uh, the coyote trapping school guy, but he kind of went off the grid. I think he's doing animal damage control work and staying busy doing that. Um, so that was beaver muskrat. What else we got? So bobcat. Somebody mentioned uh, uh, cooking bobcat. Uh, I have never eaten bobcat meat, but I have eaten Canada lynx. Not in Maine. I don't want to get arrested. But when I was up in Alaska trapping, um, and for guys that haven't seen the book, More Than Wolverine, Alaska Wilderness Trap Line, get that Amazon or trappingtodaystore.com. Uh, when I, when I was up there, we did eat eat links uh, for you know several meals, and I was a little bit apprehensive at first, and that was incredibly good tasting meat. I mean, and it was pretty simple. We cooked it pretty simply. 
we put it in a pot and I think maybe like a, a cut up onion or something and just kind of cooked it on, on top of the wood stove. Uh, that was, that was really good. And I found like, I think we ate, we'd eat that for a meal and then we'd have some leftover and I'd, I'd just warm it up and eat it again the next day. Uh, and just very simple, just, just pull a hind quarter off of links. Um, I, I was, I was surprised. It, it's, uh, it's mild. It's like a white meat, really mild. And, uh, I suspect if I had more than an onion and some butter, uh, you could, you could probably add a lot of flavor to it too, with different seasonings and stuff. Okay. I'll have that book. Just going to ask you, what were your top five or so traveling books? Oh, we got to change. I'm going to add, uh, let's, uh, let's hit that. Let's hit the five traveling books in just a minute. And, uh, I actually, that it put me on the spot cause I'm not going to have much time to think about that, but, uh, I want to finish. So we got Bobcat, we've got, uh, Lynx, both really good meat, white meat, kind of similar to pork. People have said, um, we get the beaver and muskrat. What, what else? Um, I, I hesitate to go into the coyote wolf fox, uh, realm, I actually had, um, I was watching Life Below Zero. You guys see that show? So I don't, I don't watch it when you have to pay for it. But sometimes it, show, it shows up on my Roku for free. And uh, there's a Life Below Zero Next Generation. They get like these younger people that they follow. Uh, most of it's in Alaska. I think it's all in Alaska. And uh, this guy that's who's way up in the interior of up in the Brooks Range. He, uh, they showed him trapping a wolverine, and he, he's one of those guys that just was like, uh, wants to make the best use of every part of every animal. And uh, he was preparing to cook that wolverine to eat it, and the episode ended, and I don't know that he ate it. Uh, I think a wolverine or a coyote would be pretty nasty um, thing to eat, similar to a martin or a fisher. Uh, you know, they're meat eaters, the meat's dark and tough. And, uh, I remember a story, there's a guy, there's a guy in Alaska who was caretaking for a lodge and he was going to spend, he was spending the winter there. Um, I hope, hopefully I get the story pretty at, close to accurate. And he was supposed to get a food drop off. And for some reason, they apparently forgot the, the, the pilot forgot to drop off his food and he had nothing, essentially very little to eat. He had to survive on, on what was there at the lodge for him to eat. And, uh, he's getting pretty hungry and he ended up shooting a few wolves and he ate wolf meat. And <laughs> there was, uh, there was a few, uh, seasonings and barbecue sauce and stuff around the lodge. And somebody asked him, so what that wolf meat taste like? And he said a lot like barbecue sauce. <laughs> so I guess when you're hungry, uh, when you're hungry, you can eat just about anything. Uh, but I would not recommend. I I just don't, yeah I just don't think those are really very edible. I mean you could probably eat them. Um, Seventy, hey, good to see you. Thanks for showing up, man. Uh, so so yeah, that's pretty much it. But if you're if you're in an area that where you get, especially if you get pretty cold. Oh, raccoons. I forgot about raccoons. Um, actually in the South, 
a lot of trappers can still sell raccoon carcasses to people because raccoons have been traditionally uh, eaten in the south and they're they're very uh, very popular local food so uh, people can oftentimes sell the carcasses and a lot of people eat raccoon meat there and they say it's really good I, I think you know it's it's got to be pretty fatty and greasy uh, but uh, I mean thousands hundreds of thousands of people can't be wrong um, how, how do you guys cook raccoon any any ideas there Uh, Otterkat says a lot of older folk used to eat raccoon, but uh, the younger people must not. Max from Tasting History did a story about eating leather. Huh, right on. So, uh, yeah, it, the, the other question was about carcass disposal. And a lot of these animals, it's great to eat what you can. I think that's a good goal. Uh, for a number of trappers, you're going to catch way more animals than you could eat. Uh, guys that are putting up 60 or 80 beaver in a season, you know, that you're in, in a lot of times that you're not going to be able to preserve the meat by the time you get to that animal. If it's warm out, you know, you, there may be questions about how good that meat is. So, uh, you're not going to be able to eat every carcass of every animal that you catch. So there's going to be a need to dispose carcasses, um, for, for beavers, particularly, uh, if you're in an area that has sled dogs, uh, you're going to be able to have no problem getting rid of them. If you're in an area where people hunt coyotes, you're going to have no problem getting rid of them. Uh, beaver carcasses, you can sell them for 5 or $10 a piece, sometimes more for hunters or for, for dog owners. Um, I think domestic dogs can do really well in beaver meat, and I would feed my dog beaver meat. In fact, uh, my dog, my puppy probably has eaten quite a bit of beaver meat, I would dare say so far um and they it makes i mean it's some of the best trapping bait that's out there and so so a lot of these carcasses not just beaver a lot of other carcasses can be used for trapping bait and it's not going to be wasted uh carcass disposal if you if you don't need any more to eat and you don't need any bait and you can't find anybody else who wants them you're going to have to find uh, a good place to to take care of those carcasses and to put them. Um, if you are in an area that, like me, where we have uh, less than very, very few people per square mile, uh, you there's plenty of open area that you can go and dispose carcasses and no one's ever going to find them. Get permission from the landowner to do it. Um, but most landowners uh, who have large tracts of land don't, don't have any issues with it. Um, if not, you may have to go to your local landfill, go to the dump and dispose of carcasses that way. I know some people that do that, um, and uh, and that's all fine and good. Um, it, it all it all will break down, and and uh, just just be you know just let them know, <laughs> be be clear about what you're doing, so uh, someone doesn't raise any eyebrows on that. But um, I I would say you know a lot of people it's it's a good idea to try to get the most use out of every animal that we trap um, but at the same time don't feel guilty about having to throw a carcass in the woods because everything everything in nature nothing in nature is wasted that's the beauty of nature is there's a use for something and uh, there it's just this wonderful way of nature breaking down and sanitizing and turning things back into the dirt so 
a carcass sits there in the woods and you're going to have birds feed on it. You're going to have animals like coyotes, fox, every different animal. You're going to have bugs, beetles, flies. Everything is feeding on that carcass and getting value out of it. And it's all contributing to the ecosystem and it's all breaking down into the ground and eventually it's fertilizer. So, um, yeah, that's, that's that for meat and carcass disposal. Had another question on, uh, but it was a super long question. It was about, uh, pullouts, about, uh, trapping. Oh yeah. About trapping and having a bunch of pullouts to do six fifties and all that. And I don't, we, we don't have time to get into that, um, right now. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle off, look at a few more of these comments, and then I, maybe I'll throw out some of my favorite trapping books uh, and, uh, and maybe talk more about that sometime in the future. But then we'll wrap it up. Thanks, guys, for showing up. There's quite a few of you, you here tonight. Um, PA, eat a skunk. Yeah. Mm. Hunter, I've eaten raccoon like pulled pork with barbecue and a stew mix. Yeah. All right. That's a good idea. Jean-Claude. Legault says raccoons boil in three in three different waters then or crock pot it and make it in stew in a stew. Okay. Uh, Ottercat, they used to catch possums, put them in pens to clean them out, then eat them. Okay. So you can eat possum probably. Uh just duck, my dogs love beaver. Right on. Uh, Autocat, never seen a dog that would pass on beaver meat. Uh, Alex Stillman, Circle of Life. That's right. Frank, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Alex. Uh, not once a week. Uh, however, uh, it's been kind of once a week lately. I've been rattling. I've been banging them out here. And uh, I've got um, got another one that will be coming out soon. So, uh, Yeah. Thank you guys. Okay, trapping the books. So mine are obviously biased because my type of trapping and my uh, obsession is Alaska trapping. So I'm going to have some, most, most of mine is going to be in those. Uh, uh, Caleb, yeah, 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 go ahead and listen. Yeah, guys, go ahead and listen to that other, that podcast. That's not on YouTube. Uh, I, I go to trappingtoday.com or wherever we get podcasts. You can listen to that with Josh. Where we talk about how he made these mucklucks and other stuff. And then we talk about the new Trapping Today digital magazine that's coming in. Uh, that's that's going to be, I think I'm going to have that finished in two or three weeks. Um, uh, hey, John Claude, right on. Have a good evening, too. You guys, you guys all got to get battery chargers. Come on. Uh, above the Arctic Circle, James Carroll. That is, uh, that's, that's right at the top of the list for me. Um, boy, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be able to do this without all, uh, Alaska books. So that's just the way it's gonna have to be. And then I, I, I may adjust the list a little bit in the future. That's a really good idea, um, to, to try to think about that. So, um, above the Arctic circle, uh, born on snowshoes. That's an awesome, that's an awesome book about, uh, a family that grew up trapping in the Alaska interior. Uh, these are not going to be all my top five because I'm, I'm just rattling off what comes to to, to my mind. Um, and we'll probably, let's do another one of these just on trapping books. I think that's a great idea. I just read Trap Lines North. That's about uh, a family trapping, a couple young guys trapping in uh, Canada, Lake Nipigon area in the 1930s. 
that's a that's a really good book. Hunters of the Northern Forest. That's uh, a a document. It, it's a it's it's kind of a, a study of the uh, Gwich'in Alaskan Interior Athabascan natives who uh, trap in that Fort Yukon and Interior Ala- Interior Alaska area, and uh, that was written in the 70s, and and it was it was supposed to be like a an anthropology type book, but the guy just was mesmerized by all the trapping culture out there. And he, he ended up being kind of a trapping book. So hunters of the Northern forest. Oh, what else we got for, uh, the Alaska trappers, uh, manual, Alaska wolf trapping manual. That's, uh, there were two of those. Dean Wilson wrote the, this Alaska trappers manual, but then the Alaska wolf trapping manual was put on by, uh, Alaska trappers association. That one was really good. Um, is that, how many is that? Four, five? I don't know. There's, I get a whole bunch of them. I get I'm going to have to, uh, look into, cause I know I'm missing, I'm missing quite a few, but, uh, yeah, check those books out if you get a chance. And, uh, we're going to do an episode at some point, I don't know, maybe another week or two on uh, on books on trapping books so you guys keep that in mind if if you're able to show up for that uh be able to rattle off some of your favorite trapping books as soon as we get off here i'll, I'll think of some so anyways guys thanks have a good night appreciate you being here as always and uh and take care we'll see you on the next time and and check out the magazine when it comes out it's coming soon take care